Hello and welcome to the PR Department Podcast. You're through to your host, Katie Braden, and this is episode 20. So first things first, uh, my voice might sound a little bit weird. Um, I've just had COVID, um, which is super fun, super fresh. Um, I've literally not felt right now for like, 12 13 days so it's been like an episode of total wipeout um so that's that (laughs) all fun and games over here but yeah if I'm sounding a bit nasally uh that would be why I tried to wait as long as I could to record this podcast because I was like nobody wants to listen to a sick person um but you know a schedule's a schedule so (laughs) here we are um so this episode as you've seen in the title is all about how to become famous which um obviously is totally achievable for everyone hence the the sarcasm um so I have had a few conversations with friends and clients over the past few months about a brand becoming famous and how that happens and I was actually um kind of shocked to hear like my client's perspective on it and like my friend's perspective on it you know who I view as like the regular consumer um it's super interesting so yeah I thought I would do an episode on it um sort of giving my perception of how a brand becomes famous versus what I think the general perception of that is based off of what we see as a consumer Um, you know we see these brands launch and we see them blow up or we see these vans brands go viral um all of a sudden it's like the go-to brand and they're selling out every collection and how do we like get to that point and is there like a formula to get to that point is that the responsibility of a PR marketing social media and can you by having a quote-unquote good PR achieve that famous status um I I mean, I'll give you my opinion straight away. The answer is no. Um, I don't think your PR or having a good PR, again, quote unquote, like what even is a good PR? Like a good PR gets the messages from the brand out into the mass market. Um, they also storytell. Um, so yeah, you can have a good PR in terms of those aspects, but I don't think it necessarily means good PR equals I can make you famous. It To me, it, it doesn't happen that way. And the perception that it does happen that way is, I don't know why more PRs don't speak up and say, hey, um, I I am not responsible for making you famous because there's a real misconception that, you know, if you get your good PR, then boom, like fame is yours, where like it's, it's just, it's not. Like, of course, the PR is part of the journey to becoming famous, but it's not their sole responsibility. Um, And that really hit home when I had a conversation a few months ago with a long-standing client who said, you know, we've been with you for a while now and we've still not reached that kind of like famous brand level to which 
I was kind of taken aback and I was like, well, that's kind of not on me, you know? Um, but the, the, the person I was having the conversation with had the general perspective of a lot of other people so I can understand why they thought that way so I thought this episode would be interesting because I'm going to delve into um, what I think makes a brand famous Um, so the number one thing is money a hundred percent the number one thing is money. You see it time and time again, these big brands who launch with massive marketing budgets, huge advertising campaigns, the ability to rope in, you know, massive influencer celebrity talent straight off the bat, or even not straight off the bat, just in general. Like, it really, really does come down to a battle of the marketing budget. Like, if I was given an unlimited budget, the things that I could do for my brand is wild. Like that's when a quote unquote good PR comes into action. Like if money is no object or you have a big budget, that's when you need a really good PR to come in and be super creative and make those good moves. But if your PR is starved of budget, like what are we expecting them to do? Like we can be really really hot on making the most of things that don't cost anything i.e press coverage i.e influence gifting you know we can advise on where to spend money and how to stretch a budget but when we're talking the difference between like making sales and making a successful brand and becoming famous like that's a big marketing budget a hundred percent Um, You often see it as well when brands reach top level um, and they have these huge budgets, that's when it becomes a battle of the creative. So you kind of have like your small brands at the bottom who are just trying to survive. Then you have your kind of, you know, your bigger brands who have the big marketing budgets and it's uh, a quarrel over who has the most money as to who gets the most airtime. And then when they get past that, it's a battle of the creative. So I really think it comes in sort of like a three-tier system and the jumps in marketing budgets between those tiers is huge. Like we're talking the difference between like a Depop seller and Louis Vuitton. Like, that is basically that you know the opposite ends of the scale or you've got a founder owned company that has like a four man team versus Chanel you know it's it that that's like the amount of money that is passed through marketing behind the scenes it goes from like a couple of 100 pounds to like a few million you know that really is the difference and when you have that money as i said a few times in the last 10 minutes um it buys you space to be creative you know these designers who show at like fashion week for example you see the smaller designers getting onto the runway and doing their collections as part of like um larger scale projects like there's um there would be like a london fashion week venue that would host like six shows back to back in one day but they would have like very very limited creative they'd basically just show the collection go down the runway like bob's your uncle job's done and then you have like i've just seen for example the diesel show today in milan where they have like a huge like national treasured venue and then they have this massive set and they've got celebrities attending who are paid like this is another thing 
I think people don't understand how these like brands big big brands get like celebrity press influencer attention like every person of influence will be paid in some way like celebrities are usually paid to attend shows unless they have a personal relationship with the designer um influencers at a high level are usually paid if not they're just invited along because it's a cool thing to do but you have to achieve that coolness in the first place and then you have members of press and how it works with them is the brands will buy advertising in the magazines and then an editor will be obliged to go along to the show because they have to represent the magazine as they are going to see a show that is an advertiser like everybody there is money transferred like a financial transfer at one stage or another unless you are like working with someone lesser than like a smaller influencer or something like I said who just wants to go because it's something cool but you have to achieve the coolness in the first place which comes with the press and the celebrity and all this jazz and also to do cool stuff to do like cool shoots to get cool creatives to work on things you know like someone like Julia Fox who's like the it girl of the moment like she doesn't model for free so while she is friends with Scaparelli and you know Diesel and you know she's a friend of the brand like she's getting paid massive amounts of money to be the face of these campaigns and then to attend these events um but people see this like chummy chummy relationship online and just assume like oh she's just friends with Scaparelli like she's just going to show her support no she has everything paid her flights are paid her hotels are paid she's dressed like her glam will be paid for and then she'll probably book a modeling job with them to be the face of their campaign on the top on top which is like you know we're then into like the tens of hundreds of thousands if not more you know like do do you think like kim kardashian is just best friends with denman like you know yeah she probably is friends with Demma, but from balenciaga is who i'm referencing but you know for her to be the face of balenciaga and to wear exclusively balenciaga for like what a year like that costs like that really costs like i'm throwing my arms around you can't see but it it costs (laughs) you know um and I drill that home to everyone and sometimes I think like maybe I shouldn't say these things because it kind of makes it sound like I'm making excuses for PRs when I'm not I think for far too long PRs have kind of been behind the scenes not talked about their role or what they actually do and then these perceptions are built around like oh the PR must have set that up like yeah they did set it up but there was a huge budget behind them so let's not judge people based off of the work that they're doing let's talk about how much budget they're working with behind the scenes because you'll have like for example in PR world like you have someone like me who I work with smaller like whilst I do work with some corporate brands like smaller teams usually founder owned um you know startups like that's where I kind of am and then you have like beauty scene who are arguably like the biggest beauty PR agency in the UK working with the likes of you know like Topshop Beauty, Revlon, um, Fenty you know all of these huge names and you see them churning out you know dinners events um you've got them sponsoring fashion week you've got this you've got that and you go oh they're obviously the better PR 
maybe they are like I'm not here to judge their talent however if you put two PRs in the room and you gave them both the same amount of money that's when you see who's the better PR do you know what I mean whereas like people like they they just assume that beauty scene is the agency to be with um because they see these celebrity dinners and they see these events and then they look at someone like me and they go oh well, she's not doing celebrity dinners no I'm not doing celebrity dinners because I can't afford them you know like to be really really frank that is the crux of the matter and also you have to bear in mind as well you're not just paying for um your PR and then your PR foots the bill for your celebrity dinner no you're paying for your PR to put the thing together and conceptualize it and to make the guest list and to place everybody there and you know to do the contracts with the celebrities and this and that but you've also then got to pay for the whole dinner you've got to pay for you know people who are being paid in attendance you know all that jazz like that's on top so you know the budgets that we're talking about at that level are humongous and I really can't stress that enough um like a brand that is talked a lot about at the moment in the hair industry is k18 um they've come in they've been in the industry now I think for about a year maybe a little bit longer but they've had a really um, incredible like two-prong strategy which is the first prong is um, b2b so based selling to hairdressers and selling into salons as a professional product which they've done really well and then they also have their consumer strategy which they've put a hell of a lot of budget behind it and you know a lot of my brands I work with a lot of hair companies and they were kind of looking at k18 and thinking oh why are they getting these opportunities And I kept saying, they've got massive marketing budgets. They've got massive marketing budgets. And then over Christmas, um, I spotted that they'd taken a billboard in Times Square, like a K-18 billboard. And I sent it to my client. And I was like, this is the level of money that they are spending. Like, I'm not just making excuses because you're not getting the same level of, um, you know, notoriety as K-18. Like, this is the level of money that's being thrown around behind the scenes. Like, they've got a billboard at Christmas in Times Square. Like, that tells you everything you need to know. And then within a few weeks, you had Chris Appleton posting K-18 in um, collaboration with Michaela, who's like one of the biggest um, beauty uh, TikTokers. They did a collaboration that was sponsored by a K-18, like a proper like ad, like TikTok ad. And I was like, okay. And that's when I like rolled my eyes into the back of my head and then prayed to the budget God for more budget, which I didn't get. Um, So that's just, I wanted to like talk really openly in this episode because I think unless we talk openly about these things there's not going to be education and people are not going to understand it um so without me just basically saying like you need to have a deep purse to be famous there are other ways obviously that brands have shot up and had these like big moments that obviously having a PR can really help with but I just wanted to like get the cynical part out of the way so you sat through that 50 minutes so now you know where I'm coming from but I think some of the things that we see happening as well where brands really blow up is viral moments and I always talk to my uh, clients about it in this way it's almost like going fishing like the the further you cast out the net 
and the more locations you try the more fish you're going to bring in so it's exactly the same with trying to create a viral moment like you are never going to be a hundred percent sure when something's going to go viral but what you can do is keep pushing out content and you can prepare for going viral every time um like I had an instance with um one of my clients not another salon and they won't mind me talking about this at all because the founders talked about this publicly um but we did this campaign which was all around the hidden rainbow which was like a panel of hair underneath you know kind of like a 90s like under panel but it was a rainbow underneath in their natural color over the top which meant that bankers corporate people you know you could have your rainbow hair on the weekend but then you can have office ready hair anyway so it was a really great story like the imagery was really gorgeous which really drew everybody in and it ended up going viral you know it was picked up by like the BBC MTV um, Vogue Thailand even covered it you know it was everywhere and it was very much like in the space of a week Um, so all of that happened but then I had a really interesting conversation with the founder where she said, you know, like, obviously I'm so happy with all of the coverage. She was like, but if I could have picked any of our hair pictures or any of our creations from the salon to have gone viral, it absolutely would not have been that one. Because even though not another salon, if you've seen them on Instagram, which I'm sure you have, they are very fun, very colourful, you know, 90s kitsch, like that kind of vibe. Um, They are also about like luxury color and really wearable color so having like a rainbow trend um it wasn't like the best for them um in terms of like their branding and how they're known in the wider market they're not they didn't want to be known for just like rainbows and glitter basically they wanted to move away from that and this like sort of viral moment was the complete opposite of what they would have wanted if they had planned it but that taught us a really interesting lesson which was only put things out that you are willing to go viral and that goes for if you have 200 followers or 2 million followers because now we're dealing with platforms like TikTok where you could go viral at any moment and you have to stand by that because people you know you can go from as I say 20 people seeing it to 2 million people seeing it so yeah viral moments also I've had instances where an influencer has been gifted something and they've randomly posted about it or randomly created a piece of content about it and the brand has sold out or blown up or then been picked up by press and again had that like snowball viral moment Um, but again that wouldn't have happened unless we are gifting you know these people and putting these products in the right hands like I say to clients all the time it's a game of getting product into influential hands it's not a game of I give you product you do a post that's not it unless it's a paid sponsorship obviously um But it's just about positioning it and making sure that that product or that brand is in the right circles. It's being talked about by the right people. You're catching the right attention. Um, And then, you know, the viral moments make themselves. But you're setting yourself up to succeed rather than doing nothing and hoping for the best, which I think a lot of small brands are kind of forced to do because they don't know what to do otherwise. Um, also it's very much based on what is going on in society and culture at the time so for example I've had a few of my own like semi-viral moments on TikTok where 
um, an Instagram update has happened I've made a video about it and because it is then like a trending viral topic I've been swept along with the with the wave and gotten those views and though that attention um, Robert Welsh who's a an MUA uh, makeup artist on YouTube um, he credits a lot of his um, success to this as well um, and it was a really big thing back when you know beauty youtube was booming um everybody would want to talk about the latest sort of on-trend pr releases especially from like viral brands like kylie cosmetics or jeffree star cosmetics you know back in 2017-18 um and if you could get your video out and it was sort of at the right time then you were going to get those that boost of subscribers or that boost of eyes on your content um so it is you kind of meet the world halfway in terms of going viral you know you create your content you're consistent you put it out you put out interesting stuff but then you could get swept along um with the rest of the world and sometimes you don't know when that's going to happen which is great but also not great when you're a PR and your client's saying how can we go viral and the answer is I don't know anybody tells you how to go viral is lying because nobody knows um so yeah I've like I just glanced over at my notes and I've written it's very much a mixture of having talent great content but also being on the right side of the algorithm and I think that really really sums it up you know it is a very like meet me in the middle 50 50 split um, but all we can do is keep trying, keep different angles, you know, keeping relevant, keeping front of mind. That is the job of the PR. And I think a good PR will do all of those things. And then when they're rewarded with budget to do bigger and better things, that's when the the activities scale. And then, you know, the eyes on the brand scale, it, you know, it all comes together um, but as I was saying earlier, obviously money is a huge part of scaling that activity upwards. Um, yeah, it also changed a lot, you know, the the influencer market. Like I've talked a lot about that on this podcast, how it is always moving, shifting and evolving. And it's not the same as it was a few years ago where you kind of gift a couple of influencers with a massive follower and then you make loads of sales. It just isn't the case anymore. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a client a few weeks ago about um, gifting some influencers from TOWIE, um, which I have, no, you know, I have nothing against reality stars. I think that they're, they're great for some brands and not great for others. In this instance, I wouldn't have paired um the brand with the person in question so I did say no um but also is having an awareness of um what is going on with followers especially especially on Instagram and for a lot of these reality stars they have these really big followings and these blue checks but a lot of the interaction and followers are fake um so it's kind of a waste of time and then even if you do hit a jackpot they post about it and you get a load of traffic is that traffic like the people who are following them are they people who are going to be interested and buy your brand and I think that's ultimately what you have to think about like you have to think past the following count or the blue tick or whatever it is the numbers and you have to think these people who they are talking to so the the followers that the influencer is talking to are they my customers and if the answer is no then there's no point 
again that comes down to being a good PR is having that analysis and that awareness that your client doesn't necessarily necessarily have the knowledge or the time to have um you know because a lot of people just see big numbers and they think oh yeah go ahead gift them like what can go wrong and it's not wrong you know you can you can gift anybody but it's just being strategic and spending in the right places and thinking, you know, I'm tapping, I'm trying to tap into a customer base here. Um, it's the same thing with, um, I get this a lot with salons and inviting influencers in. Like if you've got a salon in Bournemouth and you're inviting a top London influencer into the salon, that's all well and good. But the people who you're talking to live in London, so it's not going to get you bums on seats in Bournemouth. So again, it's thinking further than the the number I guess um but yeah I mean I could make I could talk about kind of like PR efficiency all day long but it would probably be um quite boring um but there's just one more thing I wanted to kind of talk about before I round off this podcast and you can stop listening to my nasally voice um is the idea that people talk about things because they really like it. Um, so recently, um, I've been having a lot of conversations with my brands about the role of ambassadors and people who they work with and they pay as brands um, and the energy that you kind of like get back from those people and the way that they then promote the the products and the brand. And, you know, I was having this conversation, I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's it's, it's lackluster but yet you see like these other promotions of other ambassadors talking about the brands and I quickly just explained that it's because the paycheck is bigger like coming back to the start of this podcast where I was being very cynical and saying that it was all about money again when you're working with ambassadors anybody who is on your payroll there's even like a difference between a small paycheck and a big paycheck you know it takes priority and it comes with a a smaller or bigger slice of energy um like I was talking to um, a friend about somebody who was promoting a product. Um, So it was a a hairstylist promoting a product. And they were like, oh my God, you know, they really love this product. Like they've got so much energy and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of turned around and said, no, they're going to, they're getting paid like so much money. That's probably like a multi-million pound, like yearly deal. And my friend was completely taken aback because they were just, they'd never thought about it like that before. They were like, oh, they must really love it. And I'm like, well, they probably do. Like, you know, the foundation of the relationship is that they do. But, you know, they're also getting paid and they're also getting paid a lot. You know, like, because I know the the brand that they were referencing and I know the type of budgets that they work with. Um, I was like, no, it, it, you know, the energy comes from the paycheck. <laughs> so it's even, you know, having the awareness of that, like when these people are promoting things to you with such gusto, um, I always question, you know, how much are they getting paid and where's that energy coming from? Um, I often think that combating that is um long-term relationships so we see it a lot in the hair industry um and I keep coming back to the hair industry because obviously I lot I have a lot of clients that are rooted in that, that industry um so it kind of is my bread and butter but um you see it a lot in the hair industry that you have a lot of stylists who are paid ambassadors for brands but they jump around a lot so they'll do like a six month a year contract with one brand another brand will offer them more money and they'll jump ship and go with the other one and then they'll go with another one and another one until they reach the top where they're getting paid the most money and like whilst I respect the hustle 
um, it then becomes very obvious that like, you know, it's not their love of the product or the love of the brand. It's the love of the, the financial agreement, which again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think to combat that, you kind of have to, as a stylist or as an influencer taking on these deals, you have to think like, do I actually really genuinely love this brand and love this product? And do I want this relationship to go on for a long time? Like I've mentioned her before when talking about this, but um, the Scottish uh, beauty slash, well, just general lifestyle influencer, Jamie Genevieve, um, I think she does this fantastically. Like she's had basically like, a a pool of long-term relationships like I can even name them like she has um GHD NARS um she says she can name them and then can't remember any of them (laughs) but she has like four or five that she works with consistently all the time and like she's loyal to those brands and while she does do you know like smaller jobs here and there her bed her bread and butter are these products that she's claimed to love for all these years and I think that is where the payment of person who's going to promote your product goes really well because then you it becomes a working relationship over a long a long term and as a consumer you don't feel cheated because that's the thing isn't it we all feel a bit scarred when like our favorite influencer does a paid thing and then the next week they're promoting something else that's the same it always like drives me nuts a bit but anyway um hope you enjoyed those ramblings and I hope maybe you learned something um you know the whole point of this podcast was letting you into the behind the scenes um things that are very second nature to me because of the nature of my job but aren't second nature to you know small business owners or consumers even you know everybody who finds it (laughs) I hope you find it interesting um so yeah I hope you learned something um you know you can keep in touch with me in between episodes uh via Instagram at the PR department podcast um so yeah I will see you next time